You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. We come to you recording this on Free Agency Eve, midday on Sunday. A lot can happen between now and the open of the legal tampering window on Monday at noon Eastern. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. James, let's start the show today by talking about the cap math that the Bengals have published by way of Jeff Hobson on Bengals.com compared to what Jeff Hobson's article said last year and what that might tell us about what the Bengals are actually willing to spend. Because according to Hobson, I think we've got a very literal interpretation of the current state of the Bengals' salary cap coming from the team, which indicates that they have about $20 million to spend on free agents, which obviously is incredibly conservative, and sets aside $11 million for stuff like rookie deals and injuries, etc., etc. So I think this is not what they're actually going to spend, James. You look at last year, Hobson's same piece said $25 million. They blow that away with Reader and Waynes alone. I do think that perhaps this is, a, like I said, a very strictly literal interpretation of the current state of the salary cap without adjusting for things like offsets when you add players over a certain number that push other guys off of what counts against your active cap. Obviously, it doesn't account for any cap cuts that we might see. I think just a very literal interpretation. And it's just such a shock every year when Bengals fans read this number. Good thing that they didn't franchise tag Carl Lawson if four-fifths, right, 80% of their cap was going to be gone by the time they they tagged him, right? No, it's, it is a, it's a gut punch when you read that because when you you check out other outlets, right? Many outlets, including the Locked on Bengals podcast, we're certainly not forecasting 20 million. And look, you said conservative. Uh, I think that Bengals would say that they're cap handling. And part of the reason why they have cap space, they've been wise. They've been smart with it. They've managed it properly. All of those things are fine to say. And even with last year's spending spree, right? Uh, They've managed the cap properly. That sounds great. And I get the, uh, you know, everything that comes with their reputation and all of that stuff. I, you know, grew up in Cincinnati. It's been a, a, you know, I've seen it all, right? At the same time, you have Joe Burrow, right? You have this very, very unique opportunity that the organization looks at and says, we have this franchise guy, this guy who can be sort of a hybrid between Dalton and Palmer, where he's got the, all of the, the talent needed to succeed and be the number one pick, but he's also got the leadership that Palmer didn't have. And he's a winner like Dalton was earlier in his career, just all these things like mixed together. And, and hopefully he could take the franchise to new heights. Well, he can't, if you don't change things as a front office to a degree. And so this idea of being conservative right now, well, now's not the time to be conservative. Now's the time to make sure that you put the necessary pieces around Joe Burrow. So fans are going to read that and be frustrated because $20 million in cap space is not enough 
to address all of the needs that they need to address in free agency. It's just not. No matter how creative they get, it's going to be really hard to do. But to your point, last year, spending spree. They went out, they got uh, you know a bunch of guys on defense, and uh, obviously a lot of them got injured, and it was, uh, it, w- it was a rough go of it. But they need to have that same mindset, and, and it really needs to revolve around number nine. And I think that that's the thing, Jake, is they have so many needs now that – if anything, if, if the, the one good thing that comes out of this piece and the $20 million figure being floated, it's that, okay, take those assets because maybe they are a little more limited than we realize, maybe a little bit, and put them towards protecting number nine. And then, yeah, if you move on from Geno Atkins, you free up another $9 million, well, maybe that is your edge rusher that you get uh, alongside Carl Lawson, or maybe that's uh, you know one of the guys that you get to replace Carl Lawson. So there are a lot of ways they can do, go about it. And I, I still am optimistic that they're going to be aggressive because they have to realize the opportunity they have. And being conservative right now is not the way to go about it. I think that if they don't go play in free agency with the PR push, and I think we've talked about this, with the PR push they're making right now with Elizabeth Blackburn, People are going to be mad, man. People are going to feel misled. People are going to see all this hype they've been trying to build around the game day experience of Paul Brown Stadium. And if all you do is go out and sign Josh Reynolds and, you know, Jermaine Effetti and, you know, other tier four guys on our list, you're going to have fans that are thinking you're not even trying. You're, you're not trying to maximize the resources you have available to you. You're not trying to maximize this rookie quarterback contract, which many people call the most valuable asset in football in terms of team building. So that's what I think is still going to drive them to spend. And again, you look at last year, they said they had $25 million. Butch, Butch reported from the team, because this comes from the team, that they had $25 million to spend. They spent way more than that last year, guys. So I don't think that the number that's getting reported here necessarily impacts or or sorry, necessarily reflects the actual spending reality for the Cincinnati Bengals. But if it does, well, I I think we know where the, the accounting issue is. And we know that this is a team that's simply not willing to spend the cash to compete. And they'll tell you. Duke Tobin said it, their top 12 spending franchise over the last X years, whatever it is, and they generally have spent money. So if they don't do it now, what's the point? You know, that's kind of where I'm at. I still think they'll spend, again, it might not be the Trent Williamses of the world. Mm-hmm. And Daryl Williams is not available any longer. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But I think that there can be an influx of tier two, tier three guys and this team badly needs players. You go look at their roster right now, James. There's maybe 30 guys that should actually be on a 53-man roster out of the 51-52 they actually have signed right now. Well, the and that's where they're kind of missing it is the Tier 2 and Tier 3 guys. They have some Tier 1s. Like Joe Burrow, I think that there's a chance he could end up being a Tier 1. I think Joe Mixon is a guy that you feel like could potentially be in that range. Jesse Bates, certainly a guy who could be in that range, right? And, and we don't know about Carl Lawson yet. Um, but the, the problem is, is their tier ones got old and they drafted poorly and they didn't spend in free agency. And so now they're left replacing 
uh, you know, a whole generation, essentially, basically a five-year stretch of, of really struggling in the draft and not really upgrading in free agency. And so guess what? You have to find a way to make up for that and hide that flaw. And you got Burrow, and that's the start. And you got Higgins. That certainly helps. You got to keep it going, not only in free agency, but the draft. But it starts in free agency. Like they, they could hit a home run in the draft, but if they don't do enough in free agency, then it's just it's going to be an underwhelming offseason. And it's not going to put them in a position to make a not even a playoff run, but even have a winning record in a division as tough as the AFC North. Up next, we're going to shed a tear. At least Jake is, and I'll probably join him. So grab your Kleenex as one of the top free agent offensive linemen. Well, He's never going to be free, at least not for the foreseeable future. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college hoops, NHL in full swing. And it's March Madness, baby. If you're listening to this, Selection Sunday has already passed. Look, you got to get the real-time updated odds and props on almost anything, including all things college hoops at betonline.ag. They got you covered for all the scores and odds in one spot. No need to travel to bet. All you got to do is head to their website, betonline.ag. Yes, you can use your mobile device and sign up today. Make sure you use promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The madness is here. Get in on the action at betonline.ag. And again, remember to use promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Before free agency even started, James, we, we pour one out. For one of my top free agent targets, Daryl Williams was retained by the Buffalo Bills on an incredibly affordable deal that the biggest cap hit comes in south of $9 million in in two years down the road. I was very sad that Daryl Williams will not make it to the market. I think Daryl Williams left some money on the table, but hey, man, good for him. Go go try to win it in Buffalo. That would be fun for, for Buffalo fans, I guess. Um, not very fun for Bengals fans and that move for me, James, and we're not going to dwell on this for too long because it's negative, but that move precipitated for me, my old patterns of, of fear and anxiety that Bengals fans are so familiar with at this time in the off season. And I've said a million times why my analytical brain thinks the Bengals will spend. But when Daryl Williams went off the market with, with the Hobson numbers today, the way the team seems to do their cap math, I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything. But rest assured, there's still guys out there. And luckily, I, I do tend to listen to my analytical brain here a little bit. They're doing too much signaling, too much posturing. They've got the rookie contract. They've got it. They've got to spend. I will remember you. Will you remember me? Don't let your life. All right. Enough of the Sarah McLaughlin. Um, yeah, it sucks that Daryl Williams is gone, man. Let's start there. Like that sucks. That blows that. It's dreadful. That's awful. Especially at that number. You can't ask for 15 million per Daryl Williams from the Buffalo Bills. You can't ask for the bag a little bit. Because the Bengals would have paid you three or four million per, per more, I would say. I, I really, I think the twelve million dollar range was extremely realistic for him, and uh, you know it's not going to happen. So that that was a bummer. But yeah, are there other options? There are. 
but that was a shocker on Friday. And and so now that uh, we got past my singing, which was much, much worse than the idea of Darrell Williams not being in stripes next season. Uh, see, I was trying to make people's day better by uh, making uh, bringing them down with my awful voice. What about Matt Filer? I think Matt Filer would be an ideal uh, an ideal Cincinnati Bengal. Bring him in, and maybe he plays tackle. Hell, maybe he plays guard. You get Sewell, and then you can move him into guard anyways. He's not going to break the bank, and he's an upgrade at multiple spots. Matt Filer, a guy that I not too long ago tweeted should not be plan A, might now be plan A, because I don't think Trent, Trent Williams is, is plan A at this point. Matt Filer, the last time he played right tackle was 2019, 946 right tackle snaps. He was PFF's fourth highest graded pass blocking right tackle that year behind Orlando Brown, who's a left tackle, by the way, Ryan Ramzik and Mitchell Schwartz. And some of those are guys that some of you have talked about as trade pros- trade targets or, or, or free agency targets. That year, Matt Filer gave up just 25 pressures, according to PFF. He had only three penalties. By comparison, Mitchell Schwartz, 20, pen- 20, 20 pressures, five penalties. So maybe I was a little too harsh on Matt Filer because I went back and watched Matt Filer against Jonathan Allen when he was playing guard in 2020 and Jonathan Allen made Matt Filer look like Mike Jordan in that game. So it's a different position. The last time he played tackle, he was very good. Pittsburgh offensive linemen tend to be a little bit better in Pittsburgh, but he has positional versatility. This is a guy that came from Bloomsburg university. I think is what it was called somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania. I don't know how the Steelers found this guy, he, he tested very mediocre in terms of all of his athleticism, burst, change of direction skill, but he has good size in terms of height, weight, and he benched like 36 reps. So that's where I guess he found his foothold in the NFL. He actually initially signed James with the Houston Texans before he found his way to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's not like it was just a the Pittsburgh Steelers have scouts in the middle of Pennsylvania seeing these guys, but this is a Pennsylvania guy through and through. It wouldn't surprise me really to see him back in Pittsburgh, but I think the fit really does make sense with Cincinnati because of the, the positional versatility, but there are a lot of guys at this point, especially on the interior offensive line that are going to make a lot of sense. That market has really flooded Trey Turner, Kevin Zeitler, uh, we were expecting Gabe Jackson. We we haven't really talked very much about Bobby Massey. He's more of a of a tackle, but a lot of guys have hit the market in recent days. That is good news if you're looking for a guard, and the Bengals certainly are going to be looking for a guard. Filer, though, as you mentioned, is a guy that kind of can can do two birds one stone with Filer, and I think that's going to be so attractive if you're the Bengals and you're looking at these guys, even if. And we'll play either or coming up free agency edition, which is going to be exciting in segment three. But even if you you compare him to the top guard on the market, right, and a guy like Joe Tooney, well, are, are, if you have to, I mean, this is a team that put Quentin Spain at tackle last year. If you have to put Tooney at tackle, do you want to do that? Well, hell no, you don't want to do that. Well, Filer's a guy that might end up being your starting right tackle, and he's going to be, you know, 35% of the price, but you know, the, the price tag is going to be much lower. 
So I think that this is a guy that the Bengals will certainly take a long, hard look at because of his versatility, because of his uh, ability, regardless of what they do in the draft too. Oh, he's going to be an upgrade wherever he starts. And, uh, and that's big to me because the, the Bengals are risk oriented to a degree, which is weird considering they signed Trey Waynes to a huge deal last year, but you know, what's the risk in a signing? And I, I don't think Filer is a big risk. I think he's got a, a pretty decent floor. He's not going to blow you away, but if you're getting him for in that 6 million range per year, 7 million range per year, you feel pretty good about it. Up next, it's time to play a game, Jake, either or free agency edition. This is going to be fun. This is going to be really fun. It may be more fun than me singing Sarah McLaughlin. We tell you about Built Bar all the time. It's the best tasting protein bar on the planet because of their amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber awesomeness. And look, every single bar covered in 100% chocolate. But right now it's special because it's Built Bar Madness. The next Sweet 16 matchup is peanut butter brownie against coconut almond. Yes, that's right. Sweet 16. March Madness is here. Built Bar Madness is here. And you need to make sure you go to BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. Be sure to vote in each matchup. And while you're there at BuiltBar.com, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who's won today's daily matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar at BuiltBar.com. It's time to play a game here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Maybe the number one game show in podcast history. I mean, that's what the critics are saying. Early reviews. It's a simple game. It's called either or. And essentially, I'm going to name one free agent or another one. And Jake gets to pick. And then I'll give my my thoughts on it. And then Jake will do the same for me. So you better get to writing down some free agents, Jake, to throw at me. Because these combos are going to be really, really tough. Let's start with Curtis Samuel. Your guy, the guy you just like dream about as much as you love Daryl Williams. I think Curtis Samuels like your your go to when you talk about potential free agents and dream free agents in Cincinnati. So Curtis Samuel or Will Fuller, note take into consideration contract, you know, contract projections and all of those things as far as that's concerned. Curtis Samuel or Will Fuller, either or. James, you're starting out with an easy one for me, huh? Well, yeah, you love Curtis Samuel, so go ahead and tell me why. Yeah, this isn't really a contest for me. Between the suspension history, the injury history for Will Fuller, despite the speed, despite his ability to be a great vertical receiver, I think he will cost more than Curtis Samuel. I think he's less versatile than Curtis Samuel. And I think that Curtis Samuel can do a lot of what he does in the vertical game if he gets an opportunity to. So for, for all of those reasons, Curtis Samuel going away. What if it's the same money? Is it even close? Like if they're both at 12 million bucks per, like do you, do you can, cause that's higher than what some project Samuel to be at and much lower than what people project Will, Will Fuller to be at. It, it Does it make it a little tougher then? Yeah, I think that gets a lot closer because Fuller does that very specific thing of, of winning vertically. He's fantastic at it. He's got that Deshaun Jackson it factor on vertical balls. Not saying that he's going to be Deshaun Jackson over the course of his career. But even still, I, I think that the Bengals offense is not necessarily one that wants to emphasize vertical stuff too much. 
I think that they they historically they're they're trying to stretch defenses horizontally. There's a lot of deep crossers. There will be some vertical certainly, and, and I think the way the NFL is going, teams are going to need to start running more for verticals. There's some really good articles out there from like Seth Galina and uh, Mark Schofield about the future of defense and offense and the back and forth there with cover four and middle of the field open looks becoming more popularized two deep safeties instead of one deep safety becoming more popular where Seattle formerly popularized the one deep safety cover three stuff. That's a bit of a tangent, but that just means that I think teams will be running more for vertical concepts. And if you do that, does a guy like Will Fuller make more sense? Maybe, but I, I still think injury history and I, I really think Curtis Samuel can be a really good vertical receiver if he's given those chances. He's not just a glorified running back who can run routes. And so for me, it's still Curtis Samuel. Are you Will Fuller if the money is equal? It's really close. It's really close to me because I, I think Fuller is more proven, right? Like you've seen the production. I mean, he was on pace for 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. But there is this like untapped potential in Samuel it's almost like Carl Lawson where the numbers haven't necessarily been there but you look and you're like oh man that dude's legit and the idea of having him in an offense with with Joe Burrow at quarterback is is really really tempting so to me I think I lean Samuel just because of injury history more than anything because if, if you can get Fuller out there for let's say 14 games a year and you guarantee me that I would take Fuller you can't guarantee me that because he's never been able to do that consistently. So I, I think I go with Samuel just because I think there's untapped potential there. And obviously the durability concerns with Fuller. All right, James, I'm ready with, with my first challenge for you. Let's take Carl Lawson at his projected number at 14 million APY. And wow. I'm going to pick an edge that I know you like that is going to be a whole lot cheaper in Alden Smith. Alden Smith for half the money or Carl Lawson for twice the money? Come on, Jake. What are we doing? See, here's the problem with this. It's Lawson. And the answer is Lawson because Smith to me is the compliment. So, like, I want to sign Smith. Okay, hold on. So, if Smith is a compliment, let's say it's Romeo Okwara. If you've bought into any of the hype from oh. me about Okwara potentially being the guy. So, Okwara, we're saying... Roughly half the price, Lawson twice the price. Aquara, because Aquara signing him allows you to go get my compliment in Smith. And now we're going to feast with Smith on one side and Aquara on the other versus Lawson at, at that price. And again, you might be able to get Smith and Aquara for around the same price as Lawson. So that might make some people cringe that I'm saying that, but I think that's the way I lean. And really, even if you don't lean that way, you might want to adjust to it because I think it's going to be pretty hard to keep Carl Lawson, man. I think a lot of teams are in on him. I have beat writers texting me from other cities like, hey, uh, I went on, I did a radio hit, by the way, on Lawson today. Like people are interested in Lawson. And I think if uh, if analysts and fans are uh, across the country, I think teams are certainly going to to go after him. What about you? Because you love Romeo Aquara. This is uh, this is probably your your go to edge if you could get one that, you know, outside of. Um, an outside free agency, an outsider. So is, is it Okwara or is it Lawson? I'm going to be very interested to see what kind of money Okwara actually ends up with on the open market. I think there's probably nearly as much interest in Okwara as 
an upside guy as there is in Lawson because people look at Lawson and they see, oh, you had six sacks and that's a PFF sack number. You had six sacks last year. Why, why are we going to pay you $14 million? And it's because everyone's talking him up because he has all these skills and, and he just didn't necessarily finish them all with sacks. So I, I think for me, I still go Lawson here because I, I think that Lawson is a much more proven commodity. I do have some concerns about the injury history that, that it might come back up. I have some concerns that maybe he's not a true three down player, but he, he has gotten better against the run a little bit, I think. So I just think that he, he's got more skill. It's been more consistent. We've seen it since he was a rookie. Carl Lawson is a guy that can be an elite edge rusher. Now, you make a really good point that you could get a couple guys. Maybe it's not Alden Smith if you don't like Alden Smith. Maybe it's, you know, Tyus Bowser, Dietrich Wise, or, or whoever. One of these other guys that's going to be available in the in the lower cost edge market. But I, I just go with the better player. And maybe this is just because I'm more familiar with Lawson. I certainly see the argument for Acquire, though. It gives you a lot more flexibility. You can spend that money elsewhere. Uh, I, I get it. I, I wouldn't be too upset if it went the other way. All right, let's keep things rolling. I'm going to stick with wide receivers because why the hell not? Nelson Aguilar or Josh Reynolds? Same money or, or like $7 million, $5 million? It'll probably be $7 million, $5 million, right? Aguilar at seven was more productive. Reynolds at five, familiar with Zach Taylor. You know Zach's probably in on Josh already, so... What, uh, what, what's your, what's your fancy there? Pretty close money wise, but there's a, there is a difference. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about why I like Josh Reynolds in the past. I liked him coming out of, out of school a few years ago in the draft, but I, I think here, I think I go Aguilar. I think that, I think that, uh, Reynolds doesn't necessarily do as much as I want him to do. He's just kind of a guy, um, Maybe maybe a, a good guy, but just kind of a guy at this point in his career. He could go on and be a, a true number two somewhere. But Aguilar turned into a legit deep threat with Oakland or with Las Vegas, who mm-hmm. I'm going to call Oakland for probably five more years. Uh, he, he was he was great vertically. I mean, I had him in fantasy and I was playing Nelson Aguilar in fantasy football, James, because he was such a great boomer bust option, and, and I got a lot of boom out of him because I picked the right weeks, I guess. So maybe that's coloring me one way or the other here. But if you're talking about things that he brings to the team, Josh Reynolds, I feel like you can get much more easily than you than you can get a guy like Nelson Aguilar, who's figured out the, the vertical downfield stuff. Yeah, Aguilar is a, a former first rounder, a guy who was underwhelming for... Uh, a couple years in Philly, then came on a bit, then people made fun of him for his drops, and then he went to to the Raiders and kind of revitalized his career a bit. And, and the really telling thing, and I said this on uh, one of our shows last week, Josh Reynolds, they're talking about adding a deep threat in Los Angeles right now. Like, that's a big topic of consideration right now and, and uh, need, essentially, for the Rams. Well, Josh Reynolds is a pending free agent. No one's like, oh, well, we can address it with this, with this guy. So to me, the Bengals, sure, sign Josh Reynolds, but understand you're signing a four. You're not signing your third wide receiver because if you are, eh, how good are your receivers if Josh Reynolds is your three? And maybe he takes a step forward and you're banking on that, but I don't want to just bank on that. So to me, Aguilar, much more proven, can stretch the field, still might be your four, 
but he's your field stretcher. Because in that scenario, if, the, if you sign either of these guys, you're still drafting a receiver, I would assume, in the first four rounds probably. And who knows how the draft breaks. But, uh, no, I, I think it's clear-cut Aguilar here. And uh, it, it's not that close. It's worth Sometimes it's worth spending a couple more million, and I think it would be in this this scenario. All right, how about how about Larry Warford? Your guy last year, Larry oh, Warford. Yeah. Or let's pick another guard here. Let's pick a let's pick Kevin Zeitler. Well, it's Kevin Zeitler. I mean, it's oh, you're talking about let's go between the two here. You're talking about a, a durable guy in Kevin Zeitler who's been on some bad teams, but despite him being on bad teams, has found a way to still be an above average guard versus Warford who was released by the Saints, fine, basically cap casualty type thing, but has had little weight issues. We don't know if he's in shape, opted out of the 2020 season. I'm in on both because I think both would be upgrades. But to me, Warford's a guy you go after. He's going to be on the market for a bit. Like if the Bengals get Tooney, they should just sign Warford on the cheap so he can play opposite Tooney. And now you have these two Pro Bowl guards potentially if Warford can you know, be in shape and, and thrive and you know, the, this new system that he would be in with Frank Pollock. But uh, no, Kevin Zeitler to me is just the, the better player. He's going to cost more, right? Six to eight million per probably. But if you're signing him, I think he can hold down the fort for two to three years. Warford is very much a one year and let's see how he goes. And maybe he reestablishes some value and we go from there. That's why I'm on Warford for the value, baby. I, I think that he will be just a little bit cheaper. He's younger. Oh I, I don't God. necessarily even know that Kevin Zeitler is still better, but you do make a really good point about Zeitler's uh, durability throughout his career. He He's definitely played more. He's played more snaps on an annual basis. So there is that to be said for Zeitler, certainly. But I do think that one's really close. All right, Mr. Value. Matt Filer or Joe Tooney? Ten seconds. Go. Filer. Wow. Oh, you know what? I think we agree here. He could play three spots. I could play him at guard. I could play him at tackle. That matters. I think I'm going to go with Filer too. Duck, yeah. Jake. We're about to get hit in the head with bottles from all the Bengals fans angry that we didn't say Joe Tooney at 15 mil. I think there's about 50, 50 or so people that follow me individually that are ready to riot if the Bengals don't sign Tooney. But the, the thing is, is... You save $7 million you can spend elsewhere. And if they're actually going to restrict themselves a little bit, that is so much money. That's so much yeah. money. I'm so worried about value now. I Like I am, especially after reading Hobson's piece. It's value. I'm on the value train. That's scary. We love value here at the Locked On Bengals podcast. And we'll be back tomorrow with some value for you. Joe Goodberry will be with us. We've got a three- Three for one instead of a two for one? I don't know. You get some extra value out of Joe being around. We'll bring him your way tomorrow. We'll talk about our free agency tier list. That'll be getting published on Monday morning. And hey, free agency. It pretty much opens tomorrow at noon. We'll get you all the updates as the Bengals navigate their way through this 2021 free agency period. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.